You're about to listen to an episode where we talk about hunting. So you might be interested in my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. To get it, go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. From this guide, you will learn how to get a deer hunting license, obtain a firearm certificate, and get permission to hunt deer on a chosen piece of land. Everything is explained in simple language and in easy-to-follow steps. Get my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. Simply go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. This is Tommy's Outdoors 86, and this is the last episode of the podcast in the year 2020. Worry not, there's a quite a few episodes lined up for 2021, but we're going to end this year 2020 with number 86. And our guest is Alan Kenny, who is performance nutritionist, and he's also a hunter. Uh, he started hunting in Canada, and now he moved to Ireland, and he has all the intentions to continue his uh, hunting adventure in Ireland. Uh, but he also continues his career as a performance nutritionist who works with athletes. And I thought this is like an excellent uh, combination because first, hunting in itself is a great way of providing uh, great nutrient-dense food. Uh, and also uh, to enjoy hunting, especially longer hunts where you need to carry a lot of gear or, or you know, hike on the mountain, um, you need to be fit. And uh, proper nutrition is one of the pillars of uh, being fit. And also we're coming to a Christmas period and maybe uh, it's a good time to start thinking about nutrition either when you're going to be uh, eating a lot of food during Christmas or maybe, you know, if you're a... Uh, New Year's resolution type of person, maybe it's uh, some sort of a New Year's resolution for you related to nutrition. Uh, in either way, um, very interesting episode. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed talking with Alan. And just before I let you enjoy this episode of Tommy's Outdoors, as usual, um, just quickly remind you that this episode is also available on my YouTube channel and a video version of it, as well as any other and many other videos, uh, vlogs, etc., etc. So uh, I'm going to keep repeating that until every single one of you subscribes to my YouTube channel. So go ahead and find out Tommy's Outdoors on YouTube and subscribe. And now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Kenny. Alan, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you very much, Tommy. Yeah, nice to be here. Uh, well, and welcome back to Ireland. Where did you come back? Uh, so I moved moved back home in March. From um, I was living in Vancouver in Canada. Okay, okay, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I had been there for about three years. Um, <clears throat> I actually we actually came home on like about twenty four hours notice. Really, we kind of just packed <laughs> everything up because um, I, I took a job here in Ireland, and uh-huh. so it all happened very fast. And COVID was just happening. And we were kind of looking at the news, and they were saying, um, you know, flights are going to stop, and if you don't leave now, you mightn't get in. And it was uh-huh. just chaos for a few days, um, <laughs> and we just literally packed up everything. Didn't even get to say goodbye to anyone, uh-huh. partly because of COVID and partly because we just left in a hurry. But um, 
So well settled in now, though, back in Ireland. Okay, okay, that's that's good. Listen, then uh, we're going to talk about hunting and nutrition. It's like two things that you're that are close to your heart. So can you, like, you know, obviously for people who just jump in and listen to that or watching, uh, and haven't read the description, um, what's uh, how your how your adventure with hunting started? Yeah, so I should start and say that I'm a complete beginner newbie hunter so if there's anyone listening that's like avid hunter and i'm saying things that are wrong and uh, don't be too mad but um so i yeah like my background is as a performance nutritionist so uh, i work as um with, with uh, teams and athletes uh, so i work with the ross common senior football team and have done lots of gaelic teams over the years and and kind of um help athletes kind of achieve their goals that way and have done work with endurance athletes and, and some people that way, I'm obviously uh, sporting myself, play soccer and Gaelic, and I've done some um, adventure-type things like climbing Kilimanjaro and trekking mm-hmm. to Everest Base Camp and stuff like that. And obviously, you're able to put nutrition into play there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I actually, it was funny, I, one of my friends who just became a friend through uh, a friend was living with him. He was actually a guy from New Zealand, and he was, he's an outfitter, like a guide. Um, mm-hmm basically so incredibly experienced with hunting and um he basically we were out for dinner and everything and got chatting and what do you do for a living and that came up and i was like that sounds incredible that sounds awesome i'd, I'd love to do it mm-hmm. you know like it's and i obviously i've seen like meat eater steve ranella and some of those mm-hmm. people and even even the likes of joe rogan has probably mm-hmm. brought, put it into more mainstream and i always kind of said i'd love to do it um and he basically said to to me and a couple of guys he said go and get your licenses and and do all the tests. And if you do that, I'll bring you hunting. And he had met loads of people over the years that had... had And you were at the time already in Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, he had met loads of people over the years who had been having a few drinks and say, yeah, I'd love to go. And he always said, go and get your stuff. And if you get it, I'll bring it. And he said, no one ever did that. But me (laughs) and uh, two of my buddies actually said... You know, we went and did it, did the test, got our got our firearms license and did all that. And then um, so he brought me hunting a couple of times then. And mm-hmm. I would have went on my own then a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, they, they, they kind of naturally merge. I mean, you're, look, I, I one of my goals would be uh, at some point to be somewhat self-sustainable in terms of mm-hmm. food and, and I you know, like grow some of my own food in terms of vegetables and maybe... Um, that hunting. is becoming a theme these days. People are more and more drawn into being self-sustained. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Listen, well, I, back you up. I back you up a little bit uh, yeah. because that, what interests me and, you know, we even had a, like a whole episode of this podcast dedicated to like how the hunting works in other countries. So could you tell us like how how the whole process of getting licensed all the training course and everything looked in, in Canada. So what's your, what's your, because I, I presume you were, uh, is it, so maybe that's a question. Is it the same for foreign nationals and, and, and Canadian natives? Is it the same process or did you had to ho- jump a few more hoops because you were um, Irish? I no, I, I was living there long enough to, to be considered resident, I think uh, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. And, um, so we had to do, I can't remember the name of, of the test, but we had to do a, um, and obviously a, a, a basic entry level test in terms of actually um, general knowledge on hunting practices, rules, regulations. So you meet a minimum, minimum criteria on that. 
being able to identify certain wildlife shooting positions, all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also had to do a separate um, test, a practical exam on, on firearms training to get a firearms mm-hmm. license. I think um, the whole process was, was, was actually very like doable, really good, had some, had some good um, education and manuals and that and, and some practical mm-hmm. ones. And it's, it's quite accessible out there. Um, for me, the biggest difference because I'm starting the process now in Ireland and I have to start from mm-hmm. scratch. Uh, not, mm-hmm. Nothing that I did over there kind of counts here. Mm-hmm. I, I find like it's a, it, it's a lot more accessible out there. People are probably a little bit more outdoorsy. Hunting is probably part and parcel of people that live outside the city uh, mm-hmm. of their life and people are familiar with it. Whereas I, I kind of find here it's you nearly need to know someone who knows someone to have any in- entry to it. Now, I grew up in a town, Newbridge in Kildare, so I had no... I'd never shot a gun before I really got mm-hmm. into hunting over there. And um, it's probably not as accessible here. And then the other thing is with Canada, it's all public land hunting. So yeah. um, you've obviously, you've got a, a massive area and then you could just go drive, you know, I was in Vancouver, so I drive maybe two, three hours north of Vancouver up to um, Pemberton or one of those areas or further on. And like, you can just turn off the road, go up a logging road, park the car you could camp there if you wanted it's all public access and um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a, a, a good advantage there well yes. obviously here you have to have your your landowner's permissions or the culture i think that's the biggest difference in terms of uh, accessibility that you don't that like, you know really someone needs to uh, do the favor like allow you to use a you know owner of the sporting rights or whatever it's called in ireland um but yeah i i'm I don't know if I'm surprised, but you know, I think that hunting is very accessible in in Ireland. But you say like in Canada, it's even more. It's more ingrained, kind of like a in a yeah. society, I guess. I think like even for me here, like I kind, I, I, and maybe I, I might chat to you offline after this. But like I find like I have to do, I have to get a, a license. But then on the license, I kind of have to have applied for a gun license, and on the gun license, I have to have applied for the other thing. So it's it's hard mm-hmm. to even see like in which order to do things. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it 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 could be it's gonna be confusing. Um, so usually how it works is like when you're applying for for a license, um, you you put the order in your gun shop, mm. and then the guys in the gun shop they they usually are able to give you serial number. So you can put your serial number in, a, in, a, in, in your application without actually having a gun. And that way you can, you can apply and then you All can right. use that. So that's the one way of doing things. And then the other way, which is the way I've, I've uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm completely fine to, to talk about it on the podcast because people might, might find it useful is, you know, I think it's different when, when you're a farmer or, or, or you have a farm, then you can, you know, shoot on your own land. If you don't, then, you know, my thinking was like, where do I practice? Because I felt like I need to practice somewhere before I actually go to go hunting. And that way, I, I, you know, I, I joined a gun club. Yeah. So then you can apply for the gun license based on being a member of a gun club. And then you have your firearm license and then you can apply for your license for for okay. hunting uh, for hunting deer or, or, or whatever so yeah that that can be confusing like that i i noticed that it's like oh which, which one is yeah it? Which one is so I'll, I'll i'll join a gun club in the new year then definitely um and maybe start there i have some of the applications and stuff and yeah 
wanted to I, I might try to get out this season um just mm-hmm. even accompany someone but the um i definitely want to have all my own stuff set up for next year and yeah. then i guess look the other thing that's probably worth highlighting for me anyway in terms of comparison is like even that close to vancouver you're obviously in bear territory so mm-hmm. like you would be walking along and you know you're seeing bear tracks wolf tracks and mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't i can't compare it to anything here but even just going for hikes here um we would kind of be like it's nice to not have to carry bear spray or not <laughs> you know not to be worried about it because my wife is kind of like she would always be a bit like on edge being like geez let's make sure we have everything like um and like we've seen bears on on hikes and stuff mm-hmm. out there but i was far enough away but particularly when you're hunting you're you're in the back arse of nowhere and no one yeah. knows you're there so it's like that that was a kind of, i remember the first time i was um i went up and i actually brought a buddy of mine who'd never hunted before this is after i'd done a few times um so i was then kind of bringing him up and mm-hmm. the first time we were like off off a logging road just down this like ravine type area and mm-hmm. next thing we just like looked down and it was like these big massive bear like uh prints and we were like shit <laughs> you know just <laughs> Your, you know, your hair is kind of stand up in your neck a little bit. And we were like, I didn't uh, want to let on that. I was like going like, Jesus, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm all right. You have your spray and a knife and, and a gun, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 I don't know. They try and prepare you for that, but I don't on know. A, on a training, on a training for, for, for hunting. Yeah. Just like, I, I think that the phrase over there is if it's, if it's brown, stay down. And if it's black fight back. So uh-huh. But the black bears that are smaller, they're a little bit more skittish. You you would be loud, make noises and make yourself big and, and you can scare them off. Whereas if it's brown, any further north into grizzly territory, just mm-hmm. play dead. Like that's what they, we were told. But yeah. even like wolves are a big problem there as well. So a lot uh-huh. of, I had a few days hunting where I didn't see any sign. I saw a sign of deer, but I saw more wolf tracks and that's probably why the deer populations were a bit low. So there was a lot of people i was in a few groups there and they would have said like they i think you can you can kill wolf there um just if you see a wolf you can kill it you don't need a tag or anything like that oh whereas everything else was you needed obviously your tags and stuff so but i think like some of the hunters there that hunted that area had seen deer populations drop down and and were kind of like encouraging people to take out wolves when they saw them and to, to manage it a little bit Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's, it's very interesting what you said because I uh, recorded a number of episodes, and um, for for listeners, there's uh, quite a few episodes uh, coming uh, after this one airs uh, about rewilding, and you know, and all that discussion about putting buck wolves and other uh, you know uh, predators in Ireland, and it is yeah. you know very often like your point of view is like, well, okay, it's fine, uh, but usually that's the people who are living in the urban areas are you know so keen on having wolves and every you know all the apex predators out there in the yeah. countryside but people who live in the countryside are actually not that hot on the idea and this is what you're saying like well actually when you go in for a walk and <laughs> you have to carry yeah. with you all this stuff because like, ah, your mm. views about how cool it is to have a wolves and bear and everything around maybe like i would love to have the, these animals in you know, uh, I've been, um, I think, two years, uh, two years ago at this point in, 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 in Poland, in, in, in Biestade, in national parks, where, where I specifically went to see brown bears and kind of photograph them and so on. Um, 
but that's your, you know, you're, you know what you're getting into and you're kind of comfortable with this idea. And like you said, you go in and you see this massive track and you put your, your yeah. feet next to it. It's like, oh, it's actually quite a big animal. Uh, gives you like this, this, this perspective. Um, let's see, Alan, tell, tell me, um, how was the whole, whole uh, training course organized in terms of, was it like a one day? Was it like spread across a, a, a week, like a classes, and then you took the exam and, or how that was? Um, yeah, it was, it was a self-learning and a, a weekend kind of. So we, I had to um, do a, a significant portion of it myself, which was through a, a manual and that, and, and you would do um, – small guided assessments but then we actually had to go do a do a practical um education kind of uh, actually it was a single day it was a full day um <laughs> where we did full education and then an exam at the end um okay so yeah took that on and then we combined it with the firearms training that weekend so a full weekend of learning but you had to the you had to do the previous bits already to get to that point and i, I from what i've looked into the hcap here it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty similar uh, i'm assuming mm-hmm. Yeah, that's was that's that's my that's exactly my thought that it's it it kind of sounds like HCAP uh, model, where you self learn and then you go in and you have a you have a workshop anyway and then you have an exam and then, um, yeah. Except, but I, I don't think, know how. To, how hmm? Go ahead. I think what's good here is that they actually do the range testing and stuff. We didn't actually do a range test oh. like uh, as part of it. Oh really? Yeah. So how yeah. the so how the practical exam looked like. Um, firearms handling, ammunition, um, you know, like safety around that, carrying, um, uh-huh. shooting positions, stuff like that. We did um, practical demonstrations with weapons and stuff, but not uh, no live rounds or anything. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you can get out and practice and shoot, so that's what I, I did, and there are lots of ranges there. I guess uh-huh. even that's a difference here is like probably – as opposed to gun clubs, like there, there's just shooting ranges that are like recreational in a way. Mm-hmm. So people can go out and, and fire and do that there. Or you can go out and before you set up, you can, you can, um, mm-hmm. you know, get, get your rifle or whatever gotcha. in gotcha. before when you're out there. And people are used to people shooting around out there, you mm-hmm. know, like, and you would see as soon as it's kind of a weird contrast because Vancouver is very like liberal, like a kind of like a bit of a, not a hippie city, but like it's West Coast, similar to how like LA would be. Mm-hmm. People are like, um, it's hard to explain, but yuppie kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, you're, you've got all your, your whole foods, different things, and it's a whole foods and a yoga and whatever. And uh, <laughs> those people are totally separated from like, right, wolves and, and animals and rewilding or anything like that. But as soon as you go out of the city, you'll see your pickup trucks and, and your, your, uh-huh. your, um, you know, your, your gun things on the pickup trucks and everything like that. And so uh-huh. people over there are a lot more used to it. You'd see signposts with bullet holes in them, like if you're off in the country. Uh-huh. Um, whereas I think here, if someone heard a gunshot, often uh-huh. they'd assume something's happened, whereas over there people are a bit more used yeah. to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to the firearms in a second because that, that, that interests me as well. Um, but you know i, I want to roll back if so you didn't have to actually demonstrate your ability to to, to put the you know uh, put the bullets on the target during the exam no, no. Yeah. that's that's very that's kind of the exactly the opposite because like on the hcap you have this exam which is like fair um i don't remember a number of the episode but a couple of episodes earlier i was talking with with my buddy andreas uh from sweden and like the the amount of uh, like they have to pass an exam on the shooting range every year 
before it's called moose test where where they're shooting and like he was describing like so then that's very kind of well i don't want to say strict but it requires you to demonstrate that you year after year you know what you're doing and you you know and and interestingly perhaps they just assume in canada because it's so uh, kind of like you said, natural, and people are just shooting. They just assume that well, if you're doing this training course, you probably shooting, so that we don't have to. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Like the people on our course, like I said, I, I had no experience at all with firearms. I obviously, still be a beginner. A, eh? but the people on our course, a lot of them like were kind of a little bit more country. Like probably like grew up on farms. Like as soon as uh-huh. the, they knew everything, as soon as the gun came came out. Uh-huh. Like whereas we were all a bit timid, being like. You know, you know, so I, they just did a test on us that way. And I guess the good thing about that model in Sweden you mentioned is like you obviously have to, it, it weeds out people who aren't serious about it. You know, you have mm-hmm. to be serious about it if you're willing to do that every year. So, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or, or it weeds out people who are, you know, cracking under pressure, who can't handle mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and their hands start shaking and, and all that, which, which, which also contributes to safety or lack of if someone doesn't know it. Yeah. Listen, and so how's, uh, how are they uh, firearm regulation in Canada? Uh, I presume they, they just had to be much more relaxed than in Ireland because Ireland is like most strict yeah, out of like, any European country, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I had to, it's definitely stricter here. Like I didn't have to go to a, a police, did I have to go to a police? Yeah, I think I had to go to a police station to get something signed, but it wasn't the full application there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't own a rifle at the time, so I didn't have a safe or anything like that. But I don't think they actually checked make to ensure that you do have a gun safe at home. I know that they would do that here. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's, there's restrictions in terms of traveling in and out of the country. Uh, my buddy, Matt, who was the, the guy who was the um, guide, like he, he would have flown in and out of the country and flown mm-hmm. with guns around the place. And it's pretty commonplace. Like, you know, like it's, it's just not a big thing like people don't think it's strange seeing someone with a gun or whatever uh, yeah in terms of a gun safe on a truck or it's just yeah it's just part part more of their kind of culture um, mm-hmm. you obviously have to have regulations and have it locked up if you're traveling anywhere mm-hmm. but um yeah i can't I, I can't compare to here because i'm only at the first steps of the program mm-hmm. but um it definitely seems to be a little bit stricter in terms of like the hoops you have yeah. to jump through to, to to get to that point yeah, I, I I bet you this is way stricter, way stricter. I, I I don't know how it is in Canada, but I know like comparison in other European countries. You know, like Ireland is is just uh, I don't know. Um, Most people out there have access to outdoors. Like in general, from my experience, mm-hmm. people there do do some form of outdoor activity or have family members that do. So like, you know, the lakes, mountains, all of that stuff is accessible. So even people like we do winter sports a lot more and people will hike. Yeah. And I think people, when you, when you are living in a place where there are predators about, people probably naturally gravitate towards actually wanting to have an understanding of maybe how to protect themselves that way. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it, particularly in those areas, uh, some of the wilder areas. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Because you have like a bears going to your garbage can and, and, and pulling stuff out. Sure, yeah. for sure. And they come like right that. down to the city in, in North Vancouver like that. That's uh-huh. a pretty common occurrence. Like, so yeah. people in residential areas would have issues with bears there. Yeah. Whereas here, I guess you're never, there's no need. Yeah. So people, you know, <laughs> there's no need. I have, I, you know what? I'm, I'm curious because again, something that we, we, we talked a lot on the podcast is, you know, how um, Ireland is, is really 
um, doesn't have biodiversity. There's like, there's, there's, you know, like, which, which again, something as uh, it's my 13th year in, in Ireland, I didn't know. And slowly it started, started to occur to me. And then as I was talking with people on a podcast, it was like, well, you know, like we, we lost this many on and we don't have this, this, this. I'm, is this something that is already kind of uh, visible to you or, or is it something that you're aware, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know if it's not too early to ask that question, you know, if you were already a hunter in a sense hard and they have a, like a like, you know, season beat. So I, I would ask the question, like, you know, how you compare that, that, that lack of biodiversity um, in terms of like, you know, we are, we are after deer. So we have a deer, but then you don't have anything else. So I, I'm wondering if you already have any comments on that or, or any yeah. expectation. Yeah. I mean, I guess like I've seen some, like you, you probably have to branch out more here and, you know, like you, you obviously do fishing and, and like obviously there's bird hunting and stuff like that. I mean, for me and probably for most new hunters, I can only speak for myself, but yeah, you're probably more attracted to, to the bigger game animals. So like, you know, I, like mule deer was even Zika deer and that are quite small compared to mm-hmm. like, uh, I got a mule deer and tagged out one of them over there. And, <sighs> um, you know, like you, you were putting in tags for the lottery for elk and moose and my buddy the the um hunter like he's obviously hunted moose up in up in northern territories and and Mm -hmm. so for me anyway the stories that sound like the coolest or most exciting are those big game animals like you know someone like taking out a moose and having food for nine months of the year based on that alone like uh elk was a big one that i really wanted to um get one for as well but they're they're not, um, you kind of have to go a bit further afield to like just mm-hmm. further away from Vancouver, like not a million yeah. miles away, but maybe, you know, like there was a good um, lottery to get um, yeah. Roosevelt elk on Vancouver Island, which was, mm-hmm. which was very uh, popular. But mm-hmm. then if you go into the interior, um, you would over towards kind of Kelowna direction and that, you'd have more elk and that there. And if you go north, yeah, you've elk, moose, everything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the attractiveness of that, I think, is probably partly what draws you to it. And, and yeah, that attractiveness probably does uh, like rank a lot higher than what's available here. But, I mean, yeah. I'm ha- like, look, I'm happy to go out. It's part, like, for me anyway, like, just being outdoors and having a good mm-hmm. day hiking and doing all that is part of it. So, like, you end up with something at the end of the day, great. If not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, and tell tell me, how's the process of applying for like how how long is the season and like how many months in the year you can hunt and how that all that works? Yeah, um, it, it's it, similar it, like in the US, I presume, right? You yeah, it's pretty it, similar. It depends. Um, it depends on the animal. There's different seasons for different animals, but for for most parts, like your 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 deer elk and that is going to be back end of the year. Like some places will open up in October, November, um. You know, like most of the hunting season is going to be some sometime there from like October through to maybe December. Some areas, so it's 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 segmented by area, and they, they do population checks, and and that's where mm-hmm. you can that's you know like and obviously there's tag limits as well, and and mm-hmm. um, gender limits and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, traditionally same as the North American kind of uh, time of year, but then into into the into the new year like you can hunt uh, black bear in the spring over there um so when they come out of hibernation black bear you can hunt them in the spring and i've never um been on a black bear hunt but i've heard that 
I've heard they're nice to eat after the spring. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it nice? Yeah, when they're eating berries. Yeah, spring, but like spring is the berries. Yeah, yeah, the 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 sweet fat. Yeah, but if later on the year, like not so much. So um, that was yeah, actually never... first question I asked you when you when we talked about uh, before we recorded. But it was my first question. Have you hunted black bear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I even like I. I did get a tag for a black bear, but I never got to go out and do that hunt. Um, originally, I was like, no, I, like, I don't want to hunt a bear. Like, that seems mad. And I'm sure people that listen or people I would talk to would be like, That's, why would you want to hunt a bear? But when, you, mm-hmm. when people use the meat and eat it and all of that, like, I mean, then I, then I was like, yeah, I, I would. And I would like to, it's just more experience and, and to yeah. do that as well. I, I, I don't have any, like, partly... I'm sure everyone is different, but I don't necessarily have an interest in like killing for no reason. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like trophy hunting that way or anything like, um, but I mean, it's more about like being able to have a closer relationship to your food and where it comes from and that. So yeah, if, yeah I'd have no problem doing that with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with black mm-hmm. bear for that. I, what I, was that would be a challenge though. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, it's, it's fine. Uh, what is your, like a biggest hunt, like a hunt that you're most proud of? Um, well, the coolest thing, like, and I've only, I've only done a very limited number of hunts. So like, I'm not speaking mm-hmm. from that much experience, but uh, obviously getting the first year was the, you know, like probably something I'll always remember. Um, was it, was it whitetail? Uh, no, it was a mule deer. It was um, a mule deer. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, it was actually quite easy. It was it was pretty much like one of the first days that I ever went out. Um, uh-huh. And I went with, with my buddy. He was showing me where to go. And it was just really cool and exciting. And, and just like, it was kind of like, right, we're actually doing it. Uh, and we were actually on the way back to the car. We had, we had kind of hunted for a couple of hours, um, but we weren't too far off a logging road. So we kind of had a vehicle nearby. And we were actually heading back to the vehicle just to get lunch and maybe try a different spot. And then... Mm-hmm. I didn't even spot the deer, but he just kind of spotted it and he just said, you know, just hold tight like. And the deer was, took me a second to spot it. I don't know, was it even probably about 100 yards away down down a, a big hill? Mm. Um, and he kind of just said to slowly get down in position or whatever. And he had actually, he had like loaded the gun and everything. And he was like, I got into position. So he just popped it on my shoulder. It was like, safety's off. Like it was very, you know, uh-huh. like uh-huh. find it. And the deer was actually looking up at us because it had heard us, but it, we obviously hadn't moved, so it didn't really know what was going on. Uh-huh. And then um, didn't have time to set up or do anything, even put in plugs or anything. So it ended up like blowing the ears off me. But um, <laughs> luckily enough, I uh, I hit it. It went through its lungs, and um, I it, it ran down obviously, but it it only it's it didn't it didn't go far. And um, we mm-hmm. we kind of had to follow it a little bit just. It was maybe about 50 yards from where, we, where it was when I shot it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that feeling, yeah, like, I mean, it, it's, it was really exciting and, like, Jesus, like, wow, like, it's somewhat exhilarating and doing all that. But it's obviously a bit remorseful, too. For, for me, anyway, mm-hmm. as a complete beginner, you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus, I feel a bit bad I'm after killing an animal mm-hmm. there. But, like, mm-hmm. I remember... That always comes. I think that always comes. Yeah, and I think it's healthy, too, have that, mm-hmm. too. Like, Absolutely. Um, but it ran down a big hill. So he actually kind of as a bit of a prank on me. He was like, you have to do, I can't remember the name of it, but he was like, because it's your first hunt, you have to do like a Kiwi backpack or something. So uh-huh. we took the innards out of it. Um, and then he made me carry it out. So we did the, the leg through the back leg and kind of made a uh-huh. backpack out of it. 
I had to climb up this hill and here's a video of me. I mean, I was <laughs> one of the most physically exhausting things I've ever mm. had to do. Yeah. Um, and eventually we got it up back up and I carried it back up to the, um, to the truck and then we, we field dressed it and did all that. And mm-hmm. even that was just, I, I felt like such a, just like useless man. Cause I was like, what? I don't even know what to do here. I was like, he was just <laughs> pulling me out, handing me bits. And, and he, I, he obviously showed me what to be doing and where to be cutting and doing different things. And mm-hmm. I would have done a bit more looking into that as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that, that, that definitely was, would, would have been like the, the biggest, best because mm-hmm. it was the first time. But I actually went on a hunt with him and one of his buddies, another guy from New Zealand who, was, who had literally just been up um, somewhere way north in Canada on a, like an outdoors area hunting mm-hmm. and guiding people for like six months. And well, he was like, he was just like, like incredibly, this is what he was doing nonstop. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I tagged along basically and just tried to stay out of the way. And, and we went <laughs> on this hunt um, and we camped out and we, we camped out for a couple of nights and, and just camped oh, out. Okay. Like, that was my question. Was, was there a hunt like where you actually were camping while hunting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. like up on the top of this ridge covered in snow. And, and um, we, wow. it was unsuccessful in that way. But I mean, we were walking along and then, yeah, for me anyway, I'm just, I felt like I was like the uh, a, a child at the back just looking around excited and they're doing all the, the manly uh-huh. stuff. Like, <laughs> there was like uh, lynx prints and uh, like moose tracks and all this stuff that again, uh-huh. I've never even seen before. And yeah, that was, the, that really was like, right. This is, that was like the hardship part of it where like, you're just mm-hmm. sitting in the freezing cold. And like, even then I was like, I don't have the right gear. So I had to get more gear and be better prepared the next time. But like, that was just like, yeah, you're sitting in the freezing cold for hours and nothing. You know, like there was a, there was yeah. a, a few big books we could see across a valley and it was like, it would have mm-hmm. taken a day to get across. Uh-huh. Um, but it was brilliant. Like looking back, just sitting around the fire at night, having a couple of beers. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Like, and for any, whether it's hunting or not, like the, even the likes of Kilimanjaro and I've done like hikes in Patagonia and all these mm-hmm. stuff that are hard, very hard, like, hardship at the time mm-hmm. the the memories of the bad times fade whereas like you remember the good times like and i think for hunting and all of that like i think today we are like instant gratification it's like right mm. we want this that that and like people don't necessarily work like i can go online now after this and order my shopping and it's, it's very like soft what we do in the way we live yes in a certain sense um and even like with everything going on, like earlier on in the year and it's like shops are shutting down and people are worried about food supplies and different things. And we're not, no, not you obviously are cause you're, you're skilled and, and, and have experience in this, but like not a lot of people would actually, if you strip away everything else that's mm-hmm. in society now, like not a lot of people here would really like manage or look after themselves. The majority of people. Yeah. So that, like to have those kind of life skills and, and, and stuff yeah. like that is something that'd be important for me. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, you're, 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 you're dead right. And this is, this ties kind of to what you're saying, like being self-sustainable, even, even in a sense, like you have, you have a dead animal on the ground and you know what to do because like, Oh, what, what am I going to yeah. do? What am I going to do now? Wow, man, that was, that, 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 that was really great. And like your, your, I presume that your, your permit and your, uh, hunter safety or whatever it's called, it's, 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 uh, 
uh, valid in, indefinitely. So you can always come back to Canada, just buy the over-the-counter tag and go hunting. Is yeah, that how it yeah. works? Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure indefinitely, but I would assume for a few years anyway. I must check the license and uh-huh. see. But um, uh-huh. I'd love to get back over there and do. And I, yeah. I do want to get around to to doing some hunts in Europe as well. Yeah, and yeah. I guess like for people even that you know like yeah it's a you wanted to go on a hunting trip or whatever but it's a trip you know like mm-hmm. the hunting is a part of it but like just yeah for me anyways as well like the places where i was even on these other hunts mm-hmm. just spectacular places and yeah. you had you would have no reason to be there otherwise because it's not a marked trail and mm-hmm. you're probably not going to find it whereas like mm-hmm. it's an excuse to be out in all of these places and like i would be definitely one who would subscribe to like a bit of suffering doesn't do anyone any harm you know like and like uh-huh. the hardship you know like hard them hard times like and and you know it's 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 good to expose yourself to that sort of stuff absolutely and- it's, it's like it's, it's like like you said earlier even even that when you when you suffered and something was you know something suck at the time then when you go back and couple of days or weeks past like oh that was awesome man remember how cold it was and miserable and you're kind of happy yeah. about it well well when everything was great you kind of don't tend to remember these things yeah. that, 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 that. it's longer well, lasting as well mm-hmm. so whereas yeah. like you know like instant gratification stuff or oh it's quick easy and it's like usually something's nice for a little while but then it's like whatever whereas like those experiences and memories you can look back on forever really yeah yeah listen so let, let's switch gear now and and start talking a little bit more into the nutrition uh so first of you you kind of hinted on that but i want this to you know be kind of like specific is is the is the connection for you between your your job your being your nutritionist and 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 um, performance nutritionist and hunting was it in terms of um i i want this this other type of food that i can you know say sustainably harvest and then it's and you know you can you can talk about it you know how how it's different from the meat that you can just buy in a store or was the connection uh kind of like i am going to do this hard thing for a number of days and i'm going to carry a big big giant deer on my back so i need to be you know strong and i need to uh you know be like an athlete prepared for that and and obviously part of that big part of being an athlete being strong and being being fit is having proper nutrition it's like it it, it kind of uh, intersects and in, intersects in interesting way in 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 more than one way I, I guess. Yeah, I I think the um, I don't think it's a na- like I think look if you if you discuss nutrition and um, part of my principles that I would usually talk with people are like kind of you know eat whole, clean, or natural or natural like unprocessed foods and try and minimize the steps between you and your food and and like mm-hmm. they're just simple things like. You know, like someone eating chicken nuggets at McDonald's is very different than someone eating chicken fillets because it's been processed and bread, and it's it, they're not the same thing essentially. Um, so I think, but I don't think it's a common thing for nutritionists to um, maybe go as far to taking it that far to being like, right, I want to harvest and, and, and hunt all my own food, and and I think, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think that mainly. I don't think that's just because I'm a nutritionist, but I think for me 
naturally, yeah, the intersection is obviously being healthy, trying to minimize the steps away from your food, knowing where your food is coming from. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably why I would have uh, seen the value in it and why it's something I, I want to pursue more and, and get more experience in. And, you know, it's, it's pure wild game, meats that haven't been treated or done anything. It's fresh. It's like all of that is... is brilliant and there is a bit more of a connection to the food that you've got when you know where it came from and you, you you put some hard yards in to get it so that's something hugely important to me i think um and being self-sustained and that's even fruits and vegetables and stuff like that too and it doesn't mean everyone has to go out and grow a garden and and, and hunt their meats but i would encourage people to try and source their food even from their local butchers more or mm-hmm. go to a food market or whatever and, and particularly in, in this year where the, the big massive corporations are, are getting more and more money and, and the local producers are suffering. So like you know, shopping local and that when it comes to food is advantageous in more than one way. Um, but I think then obviously, as you said, there is that obvious factor. Like if, you, if you're not fit, you're not going to be like, sure, you can go out and sit in a tree stand and that's what some people do in the States and all that. And that's probably the perception that people have of hunters is like, they're just like bait animals and, sit in a tree stand and do that and it, it's not fair but the one of the big things in our thing in Canada was that fair chase and, and, and no baiting and all of that and I don't necessarily have much interest sitting in a tree stand either because part of the process would be actually getting out there and, and getting the exercise and all too but particularly for, for the animals that I would want to hunt you need to be fit too so obviously your nutrition is a big part of that as well um, so yeah they, they, they naturally intersect a few ways for me it's just about minimizing the steps between you and your food and, and you know, like going back to mm-hmm. nature a little bit. And then also in terms of nutrition, yeah, like, cause it's hard work and when you're out and you're three or four days in and, and so yeah. then you can actually implement some nutritional strategies, like ensuring you're eating adequate protein to, to keep your muscle, you know, ensuring mm-hmm. that you're, you've got good carbohydrates to sustain energy, mm-hmm. you know, even the selection of your meals that are suitable, like, you know, even for me going out, like, I don't know, it, one of the days I was hunting was like minus 15 or something. And you're sitting there and it's like trying to eat chocolate bars that are frozen solid. So I was like, that's not going to work. So just even those things like, you know, that's, 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 it. you know, I, I see this, um, I'm, I'm wondering what, what's your, what's your take on that? Because we already covered, there's a movement right now. There's the good, like, you know, like you said, uh, minimize the number of steps between you and your food and you know, everything, you know, where your food comes from. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love that part too. I just love that part to take a, you know, behind quarter or a back or whatever from the, from the freezer. And I know, like, uh, I know that for you, it is probably cliches and probably people who listen to that and listen many of uh, podcasts and they, because this is, but this never gets old. This is like, yes, this is, it was the best thing to get to get your family for dinner and yeah. serve them, you know, roast or, or, or something. So that's on, on one end. Um, but then uh, there is this other um, kind of branch that goes the opposite direction. And, and, you know, uh, this is strange, but this is really, uh, I feel like driven by the uh, growing popularity of veganism. And then that goes hand in hand with those highly processed 
foods, right? And I'm not, I don't even want to go in the terms of, you know, vegan, whatever, like you vegan, like, sure, you know, you can pull the vegan diet on, on clean and natural foods as well. It's difficult, but you can. But even today, uh, we were on, I think on Twitter, we had a discussion about uh, eggs, like, a, you know, this vegetarian eggs or whatever, like eggs without eggs. Mm-hmm. And the ingredients is, it's just like, desperate it's like you, you know stabilizers and and yeah. gelling substance and like you look at it, it's like well actually from the things that you would recognize as a food there's a water so yeah. i that's yeah. that's what you recognize and the rest is like what the heck is that and there's a whole kind of like a area or or or, or branch of 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 foods that are going that direction and it, it's desperate yeah I, I it's interesting i'm sure people our listeners would, would uh, maybe have seen this video before but i saw a video of steve ranella and he was doing at a book signing and he um he basically had a guy in in the audience who was just questioning about, about veganism and saying like why do you enjoy kin- killing animals and things like this and, and steve ranella had uh, like a, a brilliant well articulated answer and he, he basically said to the guy he was like well to be honest, I'd probably have more in common with you than the average person who might eat fast food or whatever a few times a week and who doesn't care where their food comes from because mm-hmm. he has, you know, he wants to see wild animals and, and has a, a conservation approach and stuff like that. Um, and he know, he's knowledgeable about the animals and everything like that. And I mean, the reality is there's no, there's no like diet or, or, or approach that doesn't have some level of you know, some level of impacting nature or animals at some point. Even even farms that produce vegetables like will will kill like animals around to, to keep them out, or as they're pulling them up, can kill rodents and different things. Like so, it's hard. Like I, I mean, as a nutritionist, like I don't necessarily mind whatever diet somebody is following. I'm I'm there to support them in their goals and whatever whatever their choices are, we'll we'll match the goals to that and, and give some mm-hmm. advice around that. Particularly in Vancouver, v- veganism uh, was was really popular. But oh. like I would have seen like and keto and stuff and all these like kind of newer mm-hmm. diets that um, because people are like it's fads kind of go through there a bit more. Um, I mean for for the most part, typically most people would benefit from increasing their protein intake. You know, and mm-hmm. um, most people don't typically eat enough protein. So then like hmm. if you remove a lot of uh, you know, if you remove a lot of animal sources, you remove a lot of dietary protein from the diet. Mm-hmm. So that can cause an issue for some people. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can, it, no matter what someone chooses to follow in terms of diet, there's good and bad versions of that. You know, mm-hmm. someone can be sitting at home eating bread and, and vegan cheese and just having that all day. But like, that's not good for anyone, regardless of what you follow, where someone else can follow a plant-based diet <laughs> uh, or a vegan diet and ensure that they hit all the macros and do all of that and match it to their mm-hmm. to the man's on their body and so yeah like it's there's good and bad in in every kind of thing and um, so i mean for me the role is to, to support anyone no matter what they choose to yeah. do but i think typically yes people will people will benefit from cutting out processed foods in general but that doesn't mean it's like throwing the baby out with the bath water you don't necessarily have to cut out all animal proteins to have that benefit or, or you can yeah. still have like, you know, lean kind of meats that don't come with some of the additional sat fats and that, that people are trying to, to minimize or avoid. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's a complex area. Like, yeah. um, and people are obviously, 
uh, quite passionate about it. Um, but I mean, uh, veganism is probably more of a ethical or moral decision rather than just purely a dietary decision, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I learned like some time ago that there are like a two types of vegans there are dietary and ethical vegans or, or something like what's your as a nutritionist? Like what is your take on, you know, because you have this, this, all those different types of diet, keto diet and vegan diet and uh, you know, low carb, high protein, high carb, low, like whatever, like, where where like are you are you kind of uh, do you have any favorites or are you kind of like sitting and looking at it as like ah oh, you know it's not that simple like how yeah. how what's your approach to all the, that the answer which is not like ideal is always it depends right but <laughs> i am um, i would be like dietary like agnostic in terms of uh, like don't subscribe to any one thing you know um and it's there's a lot more to it than just like why why diets are popular but i mean psychologically people want a set of rules and some people like want like i would be trying to give people autonomy in terms of like i'm not necessarily i don't mind if you were having like chicken turkey or beef or salmon tonight for dinner i'm thinking more like are you getting adequate protein so you can have any of those and you know rice and potato or whatever it may be that's your carb source so like the differences between them aren't going to be that major so that's fine you can have those choices where some people are want just want to be told what to do I think that's why people gravitate towards diets because like there's a set of rules and maybe people think that like, oh, maybe if, if I was, if I was doing it wrong before, well, and that's why I'm out of shape, maybe now there's this new thing and that just tells me what to do and that will solve my issue. Mm-hmm. And when it's not, that's just not the case. I mean, I would firstly just assess someone's diet and then ideally as a performance nutritionist, the main thing you're trying to do is match someone's diet to the demands on their body. So if you are somebody um, that wants to gain weight, then obviously we need to put you in a calorie surplus. How we do that, there's many different ways. If somebody wants to lose weight, we put them in a calorie deficit. Um, we might then break it down by like, you know, if you're how many days a week are you exercising? So if somebody exercises four days a week, well, then the demands on their body, those four days are different than the days that they don't train. So your diet mm-hmm. should change to reflect that. Whereas most people just tend to wake up and eat breakfast and breakfast is either what's available or what they always eat for breakfast. <laughs> Whereas like, it doesn't make sense if, you know, if you wake up one day and you go to the gym and another day you wake up and you go to the office, your diet, yeah. most people change their, their schedule and their habits and their exercise, but most people just eat because it's more habitual and, and the effects mm-hmm. aren't immediate. Um, so my advice would be for people to figure out what works for themselves um, listen to your body you know like there's loads of variance between people some people will do well on uh, dairy products that and other people might have issues with dairy products some people would prefer certain foods some people can't have certain carbohydrates all of that like so mm-hmm. try and individualize it and then try and match it to what your goal is and then your um, mm-hmm. demands on your body so for me like for a lot of times with the footballers i have like younger guys that are trying to bulk up and gain weight and a lot of them might eat breakfast or just have like a, a piece of toast for breakfast. And then it's mm-hmm. like, well, that habit or that behavior doesn't match your goal. So when <laughs> you think of the goal for matching up, it's like, right, someone that needs to gain weight might need to eat five or six meals a day and create a surplus and do all of that. But yeah, so that's a long-winded answer, but I would always individualize what, what, what the approach is. Um, and for me, 
there's no real right or wrong. There's just bad timing. So like, huh. you know, even like a pizza or something like that. If, if my if if my guys have just played an intercounty match, and you know, like it, they've had a tough training week and they go home and have a pizza that night, it's it's fine. Like it's not the end of the world. Whereas, um, you know, or even if somebody has like let's say sweets like wine gums or something like that. If you've just mm-hmm. done a training session or you've come in from a 10 K run, then it's glucose and it's sugars. It's going to be helpful. Yeah. And whereas if you're sitting at the desk and you haven't necessarily moved much that day, then that timing isn't yeah. great. So, and you know, we place, we place like moral, <laughs> like morality on foods. Like that's a bad food. That's a good food, but like, it's just, <laughs> just timing. Like there's no food, food. So yeah, yeah. Like, and even now in the holiday season, people are like, you know, stressed about the diet or can be critical of themselves for what they've eaten. But like, you know, like it's a f- few days where you're spending time with family and loved ones and food's a big part of that. So like, you know, people can afford to, to, to do all of that and not feel guilty about it. So yeah. I think that, and again, it goes back to probably instant gratification, partly social media. We see people that are absolutely shredded online all of the time and people are comparing themselves to these people and thinking, I have to do this, that, and the other. And it affects everyone. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, guilty of it too. But like, you look at people and they probably, they probably feel like crap and have dehydrated themselves to take this one picture and we exactly. think it's like, you know, so. Yeah. I saw, I saw a picture on the Instagram. It was like um, something like, uh, and you're telling me that uh, you can't build muscle on vegan diet. And, and there's a picture of this absolute monster. And, you know, my thought was like, that has nothing to do with any diet that has everything to do with steroids because like yeah, human yeah, beings yeah. doesn't look like, like human yeah. beings doesn't look like that regardless of the diet yeah. there's a lot of those out there for falsely like there's so many people that like falsely sell themselves out to sell a book or sell a product or yeah. do whatever and they don't do what they're saying they're doing you know whether it's a vegan diet and run steroids or something like that like yeah. you know it's obvious you, you don't pass the eye test with some people you know so yeah yeah exactly and you, you, you see you said you said a very uh very good thing that i am i am big fan of um that it depends on your goals and it depends on your body your body might be you, you know like i i give example myself that I usually when I trained, I I was using quite a quite a lot of carb quite a lot of carbs carb, carbohydrates uh, as a as a fuel, um, and there was there was this like sixty forty forty or something like that sixty forty thirty, uh, and then I listened to uh, people who are doing nutrition for uh, for the army for special ops people. And, and they said like, no, no carbs are bad. You need, you have, you know, a lot of fat and a lot of, a lot of protein and a lot of fat or whatever. I say, okay, I'm going to try that. And I try that, uh, with that in mind, like, oh, this is now going to be awesome. I'm going to be like, ah, and you know, maybe, I don't know, four months in, I was like, uh, you know what? I actually felt much better. Yeah. on my when i when i my my proportion of carbs was much much higher to compare to fats and 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 proteins and then i switched and I said, oh that was that now i feel it again mm-hmm. so that's important like, like you said listen to your body what your body yeah. is telling telling you right i think low, like i think carbohydrates get a like have been kind of vilified over the last few years and 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 
the popularity of keto diets and low carb diets and paleo and all those low carb diets has really gained traction over the last few years in particular. And, and we like carbohydrate, like reducing carbohydrate intake doesn't like, it doesn't work alone. Like any diet works by creating a calorie deficit. So if you, if you drop down on carbohydrates, chances are you probably create a calorie deficit and that's what loses the weight. And that can be by dropping fat or protein, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but carbs are the carbs are what fuels our, our exercise and physical activity really. Um, particularly as the intensity increases, carbohydrates are our primary fuel. So low, so many people, and I've had athletes come and, and be like, I'm trying a low carb diet or like an example would be a GAA athlete coming to me who's trying a diet from like somebody who's like a transformation specialist and their goal is to get people to lose weight. So they have them doing this really low carb diet and a restrictive diet, but then they have no energy to go do the activity that they want to do. So, mm-hmm. but on the flip side to that is there are people out there that probably eat too many carbs and don't expend any energy. So somebody that waking up might have porridge in the morning and a croissant then and, and, and a big thing of rice at lunch and like, Carbs are for fueling energy, you know, like that's key for that. So like definitely, um, you know, I'd be promoting people like match their carbohydrate intake to their energy demands. But like, um, and there are occasions then when it could be lower on a non-training day, but mm-hmm. the blanket all of like just reducing carbs are thinking that carbs are bad or carbs make you, make you fat mm-hmm. or anything like that is that's nonsense. Like that's it's yeah. just not true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. And, yeah, like I, yeah, I'd be quite. Um, I, I should have, I should have qualified that 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 was all related in 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 into my my workouts. But but you but you're right. You know, this is this is what I was, and and another thing that that struck me, like when I when I read about diets online, is like ninety. It feels like ninety percent of that is the people who wants to, you know, quote unquote, lose weight, meaning lose storage body fat specifically, not not necessarily lose weight. Right. And, uh, and especially people who are, you know, trying to get in shape, whatever that means. And that's a separate discussion, like what that means to be in shape, right? You want, there, are, there are different shapes. Um, but usually that goes like people start to get active. Oh, I want to, you know, eat, eat clean. I want to get, get active. And that, like, that, like you said, like how how one thing matches matches the other, you, you know. Like, I was reading these stuff, so I'm going back to. I was reading this. It's like okay, a lot of advice was basically saying like, oh, how to cut the calories, which was like I I realized that for me, the problem was to eat enough calories, mm-hmm. not not because you know, and you know, like like. People might know that you obviously know about this TDDE, right? Total daily energy expenditure and total daily energy in, in, intake. And uh, so the example was like, uh, the, the, you, you can read everywhere that, oh, white rice is bad. White rice is bad because it's a lot of carbs and you know you get hungry quickly or whatever. Don't eat white rice, right? White rice for me was great because I could eat enough energy. I could eat enough calories and I digested quickly so I wasn't bloated before the workout. Yeah. So, so that that worked for what worked for me. So now I, I put that question for you, like, what would be your advice to people listening to that? And, you know, if we can assume safe, there's mostly the outdoor people who are either going hunting or cycling or like, what are the telltale signs, what to pay attention to, to figure out what works for you? 
right? Like what, what, are the, what are the symptoms that people should pay attention in their own body to find out like, oh, that doesn't work for me or maybe that works for me, like how to find out? Because it's not, not, not necessarily easy for-, for... No, um, it's not. And I think we, with nutrition, we, we, we rarely kind of look back and, and, and uh, kind of say, like we, we rarely take, take notice of how we feel and say, maybe that's because I ate something three or four hours ago. We, we, we're more like living in the moment. So we rarely look back. Whereas like if you do a tough workout, you're, you're physically sore and you, you know, you can connect those things. So I would always encourage people to have some level of um, assessment. So like some numbers or, or some metrics that you can kind of track and follow because like you're kind of like just stumbling in the dark otherwise. So it might just be jumping on a weighing scale every couple of days to see where you're at that way. And then you can see if you're going up, if you're going up, you've been in a surplus. If you're going down, you've been in a deficit. And then you can kind of retweak from that. The other ones would be just like maybe taking a photo of yourself, maybe seeing how your clothes fit. They're all good standard uh, introductory kind of measurements. And then day to day, you're really looking at how your energy levels are. Mm. Um, and that can be hard to quantify, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't be like really, really tired every day. And we should be able to recover from our workouts. We should ideally sleep well. We should have like energy for what we do. We shouldn't be waking up, dragging ourselves out of bed, throwing cold water in our face, putting a coffee down just to get through the day. Mm. Do you know that like, and that's so common. Um, so yeah, like and what can happen is what happens is if people are trying to lose weight, they often go aim too low and they go like too extreme. And then they run into issues whereby they can't fuel their workouts. They can't recover as well as they should. They get run down. I, you see it so many times when people, overtrain often it's just under recovery they're just not supporting the yes. demands on their body <laughs> they run themselves down they pick up an illness and um, and they do all of that whereas if somebody has um, a little bit more of a sustainable like maybe a 15 20 percent deficit but again you need to do the calculations first to get that number and there's tons of calculations online somebody can just put in their um their height and weight and their activity level and they'll get a number for mm -hmm. themselves and then i would say maybe try a couple of days of tracking your food using like my fitness pal or something like that mm -hmm. um, just to figure out where you're at because if, if you want to gain weight and you need to eat 3500 calories a day and you're only getting 2500 a day well then that's not going to work um, mm -hmm. and it might be a learning experience for somebody whereby they might say like geez i thought i was eating 200 calories at, at, at a snack but it's actually a 500 calorie snack and that maths doesn't add up either if you've only got 2500 for the day yeah. so it's just learning like that and I think we, we can be, particularly even with things like alcohol and stuff, people are like, don't necessarily usually factor that in where someone can uh -huh. drink 600 calories uh, every evening, Thursday through Sunday. And they, I've seen people like have a full day's worth of calories just in alcohol alone. So like when you, <laughs> if you strip it back to the mats, like it doesn't add up on, on those things. But I think um, mm -hmm. just, yeah, having a definitive starting point and then having some metrics to check and just be like, you know, check in on yourself, check in on your body, see how you're feeling. And um, if it is, if somebody actually has issues with certain foods, then keeping a food diary and being able to kind of locate where, where you felt bad and where that was, that that's really helpful too. And then there's the obvious foods that um, are more common in terms of causing people issues. Yeah. So um, we can look to address those as well then. But it's very hard. If you think about it, people may eat five meals a day, seven days a week, 35 meals a week. You could have three or four ingredients in each meal. 
it could be like well over 100 ingredients each week. So it's it's very hard to sift through all of that without some tracking or some kind yeah. of level of assessment to start. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like for me, the that moment where where it's an interesting story I, I never i never shared it on the podcast the the mo- i was most of the time i was kind of okay with nutrition and the moment i started kind of like quite aggressive uh strength and conditioning protocol you know tabata high intensity interval training after maybe a month i start to feel weak i start to feel weak and i step on the scale and the number was like that's that was like just too low i it was yeah. like and uh, and that was the moment where people might think that that's crazy, but it wasn't crazy. I was actually weighing everything I was eating. I was weighing everything and putting it. And it's enough, like go through this protocol, at least for me, for like three months and you start to get an idea. After three months, you don't need to weigh everything anymore. You, you have a good idea how much you need to eat. And, and that way you... You kind of put yourself on the on the on the on the uh, to meet your nutritional demand to what you're to what you're doing. So so that's that's another thing. And I think that often people are kind of just scared, like oh, I'm not going to be doing this. But you can, like you mentioned, I, I think at my fitness pal, you can even scan a barcode on the back yeah, of the of the, the food, and it it has like a big database that tells you you know what, how many calories it is, and you can put that. That that yeah. will work. That's a that's a. I, you know, I, I was going old school with that. <laughs> what's important to qualify on that too is. For me, anyways, in terms of tracking, I would only ever really implement it very short term and just to get an idea on someone's diet. It might be yeah. might be three to five days and oh. then they learn from that. Somebody else might need a little bit more if, we, if mm-hmm. we're not making progress. But I think then you learn from that. And like you said, you can just use your own eyeballs then to figure out what's what. Um, whereas I think some people, when, when you mention tracking, some people immediately say, oh, that's not for me. I wouldn't do that at all and totally uh, go away from it where it could be very beneficial to them. It doesn't mean you have to do it yeah. forever. Um, yeah. And I think some people probably do use that nearly as an excuse to be like, oh, I can't track. I don't want to track. Um, that's not for me. But like, if it's only for a couple of days, just to give you those kind of tools, it can be helpful. Now, obviously, look, it can, it's not for everyone. If somebody has a, a history of ED or anything like that, that it's totally different then. And mm-hmm. some people can get a little bit obsessive with it. So I would... <laughs> I would be like cautious with it, like um, mm-hmm. usually shorter term kind of periods. Now, obviously, if someone's a physique mm-hmm. athlete or anything like that, they might mm-hmm. need to continue that or increase the level. Yeah. But yeah. for most yeah. people, again, we whether we whether we track, our body is tracking. You know, so whether mm-hmm. we count it, our body is counting it. So you can't you can't be gaining weight and just like still don't want to track and and not understand what the problem is. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, what is the one advice you would leave our listeners who are listening to that and say, like, oh, damn it, I need to, you know, pay attention. I need to start to pay attention to what I'm doing. Like, what would be like a one or maybe two, however many, yeah. you know, advices that you would like to give our listeners? Um, One, I guess, would would just be to everyone to have a, just like actually have some form of structured approach to your nutrition. And it doesn't mean you need to plan out your whole week of meals, but I mean, even if you just like say an example would be somebody coming home from work, stressed, pissed off, sitting in traffic, come in, open the cabinet, there's nothing there. And it's like, okay, you know, F this, I'm getting a pizza. 
Whereas like if that if if the uh, house was stocked with foods, you're less likely to do that. So I think for me, what you're trying to do with nutrition is you're trying to trick your future self into making better decisions. So if you've got like uh, food already prepared, um, you know, if you've got if you cook meals in bulk on a Sunday, what I love doing is uh, taking an hour on a Sunday and putting in earphones, putting on music or a podcast or an audio book just doing a bit of cooking um, and then you know batch cook some meals put them in the freezer and then when you're stuck during the week there's something always there so you're kind of creating like a little safety net for yourself in terms mm-hmm. of nutrition because the reality is when you go outdoors when you're out and about the the choices that are available aren't always the best most mm-hmm. things are you know crappy options or fast food or whatever it may be so just setting out your stall and and i always encourage people to like if I asked a question to someone, I was like, how do you eat? Like not the physical, how do you eat? But like, what, like what, what way do you eat? And mm-hmm. being able to explain your approach to nutrition, even just having that will really set someone up for, for uh, success because then it's like, right, well, how do I eat? What are the things that are important to me? And it's like, right, I want to eat. I want to whatever, lose weight, do that. And then you start to just look at your habits and be like, right, well, the ice cream in the freezer probably shouldn't be there. It's calling me. So if it's not, if it's not there, you can't eat it. So it's just kind of like a little bit more accountability, a little bit of ownership because like we, we just coast through each day and then we do have a lot of other stuff on and we are tired and all of these things and they can all naturally, they can impact our hunger hormones and make us naturally gravitate towards foods that aren't necessarily the best. So yeah, have a, have a structure, have a plan, and just kind of you know, take baby steps with it then. I love, I love what you said. This is exactly, I'm doing the same thing, uh, cooking for an entire week and I, I have a stuff ready to go. And exactly like you said, you coming back, I, I often have this like coming back, you know, I was fishing late or coming back from a hunt and there's this moment and you're like, if you don't have anything, you, you're just going to buy some and usually you're going to buy some crap <laughs> yeah. because you're not going to. And that way, like, oh, yeah, I already have it. I'm just going to put it in the pan or, you know, they heat it up. I got to eat it and I can move on. And you have this thing like this is this is good food. This is good food. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not, 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 a, not a crap. And mentally, those those are little battles. And the more of those you win, they accumulate. And, um, you know, like someone someone with a good approach to nutrition, it's not like they just say, oh, one day. Now I'm uh, going to sort out my nutrition. It's the, it's the accumulation of all these little decisions. And then at some point, then someone is just like, yeah, no, I, I don't do that. Or this is how I eat. Or I always prep and I do that. Or the fridge is always stock. Or, you know, whereas it's not one thing, it's, it's, it's all these many things that, that add up. So Yeah, exactly. And and obviously we 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 need to mention at the end the the benefits of eating wild game and uh, venison and and fresh fish like like a taste of a fish freshly caught fish yeah, is yeah, like yeah. I, I remember I was on a on a on a fishing trip uh, was was uh, for the for the shark sharking trip and we caught the mackerel and we had a lot of mackerel uh, way more than we needed for bait and the skipper kind of spin up the the little cooker. And and put it those those fresh good mac. Oh man! Like I never knew that mackerel can taste like that. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't have it like in the shop. It's like people don't realize that the fish that you buy in the shop is already three or four days old. Be- oh, yeah. From the time it was caught, it was frig- frozen on the ship before it get was processed. Get into the shop, it's already a number of days. It's like yeah. oh man. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, that, that, and look, yeah, physically, the actual taste is, is, is significantly different. And then also, then you've got that experience and connection and that too. But yeah, no, I'd be promoting it. Yeah, get more people out and about and doing it. And at, at worst, you've got some good exercise in the day out, outside. So, exactly. And you're going to breathe a fresh air. Listen, uh, Alan, uh, if people would like to get in touch with you, how, what is the best way to get in touch with you? How they can find you? Um, yeah, I guess just like Instagram, Twitter and stuff. My tag or handle is like a Kenyan nutrition. So I uh, will, I need to be better at posting more stuff there, but uh, I will be in the new year doing a little bit more on that side and putting stuff up and recipes and different things like that. So, yeah. Great. Uh, um, thanks. Thanks a lot for your time. And I wish you good luck in your, in your uh, hunting endeavor in Ireland. And, and once you get uh, all your permits and everything, maybe we're going to do that podcast again. And then you can tell me like how, how it is working for you because I'm, I'm very interested in a you know especially people getting like you yeah like you mentioned this is a big thing for me people who are not exposed to hunting and you know and that's that's me that's exactly me where i'm a city boy uh and you know i didn't have a father or grandfather or brother who were always hunting it was like whoa honey so that's very interesting to me so i i I really can identify with what you're saying and i'm and i'm interested of of your uh, experience so uh, we'll, we'll sit in touch. Yeah, no, t- thanks for having me. I really enjoyed um, chatting. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. The, the, your, your videos and that have been really helpful like for the likes of me who, who is not, nothing there and, and even just totally new to the, to the processes here. So yeah, no, hopefully someday. We might even get out hunting together at some stage. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> mate. Thanks a lot, Alan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Sammy. <laughs>